Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies, and today my guest is Emmy Award-winning editor Nina Erb. Welcome back to the show, Nina. Hi, thanks for having me. I, yeah, it's been... Last time you were on the show was May of 2019, and many things have happened to you since May of 2019, <laughs> so I'm excited to catch up on what's been going on in your career. Since that time, you won an Emmy in 2020, and you gave a quite an, a wonderful um, acceptance speech. Do you remember what you said? I barely do. <laughs> <laughs> I have a quote here, if you can't remember. I just remember being very nervous. <laughs> Well, you said, um, and I and I, I think this was really wonderful. You said none of us is going to remember who won this award a week from now. But being an immigrant and a woman of color, I'll always remember that Isa Ray made sure that I had a seat at the table. We always need to follow that lead and make sure there are seats at the table for our fellows. Many thanks for your, you know, for for your Emmy, anyhow. So that was kind. That was really kind of a um, amazing speech to give. Um, have, have things changed in the last three years in regards to that? There were um, more seats at the table for more women and women of color in particular. Yes, yes. Fortunately, I am seeing a, a shift in the landscape of uh, television and movies. Um, there's been uh, more representation, um, you know, uh, for women of color, Asians, um, Latinx. Um, I think um, obviously Asians are still underrepresented, but I do see the change and people are um, trying to bring more programming that have um, Asian representation onto the uh, media. So, so uh, yeah, it has, it has changed. I mean, you know, things are going to take a while, but, but I'm, I'm very, um, I'm happy and I'm hopeful. Glad that things are going in the, in the right direction. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, for sure. Now you're nominated for another Emmy for Insecure, and that's what you won for before, correct? And then you won, this is, this is you were also, your first one was, uh, your first Emmy was in 2016, and that was for Project Greenlight. So um, you're, you're on a roll, girl. <laughs> and you've won, <laughs> you've won Ace Awards since then, and wow. And, uh, well, actually, I, I, yeah, I've just been nominated for Ace, so I like to joke that I'm an Ace Eddie loser. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're nominated. You're in good company for sure. So, what's it like when you get that call that you've been nominated for an Emmy? Um, 2016. I didn't even know that the episode I worked on was submitted, so <laughs> it was really a shock. And in 2020, you know, I I never go through life thinking I'm going to get nominated because then you're just disappointed all the time, right? right so, right. so it's like, ah, oh, whatever. I'm just living my life. And I remember thinking, like, okay, I'm going to set my alarm because I want to get up here. Issa's nomination congratulate her of course i completely forget and we're in the middle of pandemic so i slept through the whole thing (laughs) (laughs) calls me and tells me like oh hey you know i'm feeling much better i was like yeah i know things have been really tough with the pandemic she's like yeah it's like well you know Issa got nominated right she's like yeah and she in the show too and i was like oh great and she was like and us too but i was like i'm sorry what <laughs> and so that was such a huge shock. Um, and of course, fast forward to this year, you know, Insecure, the last, the final season dropped like a year ago. So I'm thinking like people forgot about us, you know, they've all moved on to new shows and I figure, all right, season five, we'll just quietly fade.
fade away. And so this was definitely not expected. I was just getting ready for work. Normal Tuesday. My friend Lauren texts me, says congratulations. And my head was on my uh, remodel. because, And we've been sharing remodel horror stories and, and <laughs> you know, also successes too. So I thought, oh, maybe she's congratulating me on that. So I kind of responded with a question mark and she sent me the announcement. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was, it was surreal. I mean, that was, I was in there with all these like heavy headers and comedy you know these amazing shows and editors whose work i admire so i, I yeah i was i was floored I, I had to sit down for a second <laughs> isn't that a nice feeling though really to be floored how do they choose i mean it's you're you're nominated for a particular episode i find that's interesting and, w- and we'll talk a little bit more about the episode and, and not to be too inside baseball or too technical when we talk about it but how do they choose which show which of the series <laughs> that gets nominated i just find that fascinating <laughs> Um, I don't know how people choose to vote, but I know that, you know, HBO submits uh, an episode for everybody that works on the show, and it goes to this humongous, like, ballot that gets sent out to all the members of the Academy, and the, um, especially editors, who get to vote, and they vote in a nomination round, and I guess I got enough votes. Okay, well, let's talk specifically about the episode. So the listeners know we're talking about Insecure, and it's season five, I think, I believe, episode eight. Is that correct? All right. And I did get to watch that, and and it is a fascinating way that you did it. But I did read an article in doing the research for this that you had written, or an interview that you had done, called Choices, about the choices you had to make in doing this episode, and why it was nominated, because what you did was technically very difficult to do. So just so our listeners understand a little bit, and again, let's not get too technical for them, we'll lose them a little bit so they understand what we're talking about and why this nomination is so important. When I read the script, I fell in love with it immediately because, you know, I think um, as a freelancer, as just a, a normal person, I mean, I feel like we always make a lot of choices, right? Like, And I know that for myself, I have a really hard time picking projects. So like, do I choose project A, project B, what would happen? And I've always wished I had a crystal ball to see, you know, what would happen if I went one way or another. And so this episode was really special for me, mostly for that reason, because Issa herself is at a crossroads in her personal and career life. And she has to basically choose one or the other. She's got to make the hard decisions and, and she gets to have a little glimpse into what would happen depending on which path she chooses. So I was really excited to work on that because I, th- I thought visually it would be really fun. And the challenges, of course, is like, you know, we've we've kind of gotten into her fantasies before in the in the previous seasons but never in this length and they were always like quick little blurps to you know kind of kind of make a joke out of the situation you know they're always for comedic effect and and this was not that (laughs) it was also very humorous but they were long also it was important to show that how much she has transformed throughout the seasons and so for me i think tweaking her performances from her in the real setting of the episode versus her fantasy and then her fantasy within the fantasy that was really fun because it was interesting to have her, you know, she has come through transforming to a more um, self-assured person by season five, but then I got to kind of like turn it up a notch in the fantasy and then really turn it up a notch, you know, in her fantasy, within the fantasy, really show her as like this confident, you know, woman who was in charge, like she's running her business and, you know, flying first class and <laughs> just doing her thing. So for me, that was a lot of fun. But I think the thing that I joke about this, but I kind of, it's not really a joke, it almost broke my brain, <laughs> is the last 
cast Tamir Isazine in the episode. There was many edits <laughs> that were very invisible. The way they shot it, it was done so that Isa had to perform two different roles, two different versions of herself, real Isa and Mir Isa. Because it was both shot on the same day, they couldn't um, play back her performance as Mir Isa for the role of real Isa to react to. Very much in the same way that if you were shooting a conversation, you would have the other person there to kind of pace your performance off. Well, without that, it's impossible. It's humanly impossible, no matter who it is, for the performances to match up timing-wise. And so I had to figure out how to do it so it sounded and felt and, you know, like, really believe it was a conversation between two of them. And it just, it took a lot of manipulation of the video, slowing it down, speeding it up so that it wasn't visible to the human eye. But then I think the end result kind of really made it look like they were having a conversation in real time when they weren't at all. Yes, it does. It does look that way. Yeah, really amazing. Amazing. I mean, for everybody, you should go, if you haven't seen that episode of Insecure, as I said, season five, episode eight, you should definitely watch it because it is interesting after you hear how you went about editing that particular segment, that scene, it makes you want to go back and relook at it and see if you can see any of those kind of edits or anything that, you know, went on. But uh, yeah, it's a really interesting way of doing it. So I can see why they nominated you for this, Nina. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's technical, but also, you know, kind of really, it's really what editing is about, the pacing and the tone and all of it. So yes, it took a lot of technical stuff, magic, (laughs) to make it happen. I think the end result is, uh, you know, looks like it would be any other edited conversation. So, so I'm really happy about that. Ah, it did. It turned out great. It turned out great. So do you have a speech ready for this year's Emmys? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Like I said, I'm so happy that I could, you know, wrap up the season with a nomination. Um, if I, I seriously, I go into this with no expectations at all. So no, I don't. I don't have one. Okay, well, that's good. It's probably better that way. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I don't want to disappoint myself. But then, yeah, it is It'll be embarrassing if I do win and I have nothing to say when I get up there. You know, and I know it's always hard when you win an award. I don't think you didn't, I don't know, maybe you did do this. I just read that quote, you know, where so many people are thinking so many people and and you just go on and on. And and for the audience, I mean, we know you need to do that in some ways um, and thanking people. uh, But, you know, I think it's some of the short speeches are the ones that are more memorable when like yours you know yeah it was a memorable speech you know it said something that had meaning and that's what's really important so um so very interesting so we'll see well i'll i'll be uh holding you in my thoughts and prayers on emmy night Oh, thank you so much. You're thank welcome. You. You're welcome. So what are you working on now? You've got so many projects going on. What do you, uh, you, you also were um, did, a, did a show on Apple Plus uh, called Generations. Is that? Mm-hmm. And talk, yeah. Let's talk about that. That was a fascinating show. Um, you know, we were, it was still in the middle of the pandemic. I think uh, they reached out like maybe July. I think it was July of 2020. Um, and saying that they're going to, you know, start shooting this series. It's about, um, you know, group of high school kids who are kind of coming to terms with their, um, not just their, their own identity, but their own sexual identity as well. So, and it's called Generation. So I was like, okay, cool. I read the scripts, all the pilot. It was great. Um, and I, I said, sign me up. And, and I, for, honestly, for the longest time, I was like, how are they going to do this? We're in the middle of a pandemic. This is probably one of the very first shows to start shooting again. It's a bunch of high school kids, and it's going to be shot in a high school. How do you keep everybody safe? Right. Well, 
I don't know how they did it, but they did it. <laughs> you know, we all worked remotely. Um, the editors on the other editors on, on the, the other editors on the show were amazing. And it, the weird thing is, we all became uh, good friends, but we've never met each other in real life. <laughs> yeah. Very strange. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but um, but you know Daniel Barnes is a creator um, uh, along with his daughter Zoe, and this is really her her idea, her creation. Mm. And I remember talking to Daniel like, "How did this come about?" And he was like, "You know, Zoe wanted to write a pilot, so we thought, great, this will be good. Let's teach her some grit." Um, and so they go and pitch it, and they sell it, and they're like, "Well, okay, that wasn't really the plan, but all right, let's <laughs> make a go of it." How um, and- <laughs> how old is the daughter? I think at the time she was like 17. Oh my goodness. She first pitched it. Yeah. Wow. And then I think by the time we shot it, it was like she was 19 and, and, you know, I believe she went off to college after we were done shooting. Wow. That's exciting. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was fascinating too, because like, you know, the, the point of view of Daniel uh, was so brilliant. It was, everything was going to be told through the eyes of the teenagers, right? So nothing was ever objective. It was always from their point of view. And there are times when, you know, traditionally you would start with a wide shot of the room or establish the, the environment before you go into the story. But no, this is, you're, you're the, you're the kid. So you're going to walk into this space and then you will slowly discover the room that you're in, the people that you're talking to. And it's okay if the camera doesn't, you know, catch every single line on, on, on screen. Because again, if you think back to when you're a teenager in high school, you don't necessarily catch everything. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things that you miss and you don't realize until afterwards. So, so I thought the concept of the series was was so genius and i loved editing it because it was just like like nothing i've ever done before you know approaching a story that way so that was great very interesting very interesting yeah so when you're looking at a project what makes you decide uh, that you want to get involved with that particular project because you are busy so it's not like i think you have lots of choices it's not one that you just oh well i gotta get a job and i've gotta you know take anything that comes along you um are very much in demand and i'm sure you have lots of things to choose from so when you're looking at uh your next project what is it that makes you choose it I, you know, the story has to resonate with me, the characters, um, you know, I, I, I love powerful stories where, you know, it's not defined by just it being comedy or drama. I like things with the tone that shifts and isn't easily contained, bigger palette to create with. So, Mm -hmm. so that's what I look for first, but then, um, and, you know, and obviously the story and, and the filmmakers, um, like I was, uh, looking for movies, uh, this past I don't know, I guess last fall. Um, and, you know, I was reading a lot of scripts and a lot of them were great. But then the one I chose, um, it's uh, still untitled, but it's directed by Del Lim um, for Lionsgate. It's a comedy about four Asian women who travel across Asia to look for one of their birth mothers. And I just gravitated towards it. Um, not only, I mean, the script was really brilliantly written and it was funny and heartfelt. Um, and But the thing that drew me to that one was, um, again, back to representation. <laughs> I don't get to work on projects where I see four women, Asian women that look like me. So that was super exciting for me to do that one. 
Um, and uh, most recently, I chose Downtown Owl because uh, I just I love the script and I love the book. Uh, it was based on a novel by Chuck Klosterman, and you know the I I just fell in love with the directors when I met with them because I just I love their sensibility and their approach to the story. And um, so yeah, I, I, I guess I just. I go with my gut. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing to go with, usually, you know. So what's the... Um, well, it's based on that book uh, called Downtown Owl, and it's about a teacher that goes into this uh, kind of a fixed fictitious town called Owl in North Dakota. And um, it's about the cast of characters that she meets, um, her coming to terms of like what life was about. Um, and then this humongous snowstorm that kind of appends everybody's life. So it's a, it's a very interesting story. It's, um, you know, and Lily Rave is the, the star. She also co-directed it with Hamish Linkletter. They're both in it and okay. directed it. And um, her performance is incredible. I mean, she, alone holds the entire movie together like she's just spying through the entire thing and um you know we just follow her on her her little journey into that town um discovering what life was about oh that sounds really fascinating do you know when that one's coming out um well we're we're hoping a lot picture soon <laughs> and uh then you know we'll, we'll see what what happens but hopefully it'll get released uh i don't know maybe sometime next year early I'll have to look for that one and uh, make sure the filmmakers are on the show next year when it comes out so we can talk about it in more detail for sure. The The film you talked about with the four Asian women, uh, do you know when that's coming out? They don't have a title. For, is it finished or is that still in production? We're very close to finishing that as well. Um, I'm sure... There, there's a title that someone knows somewhere. I just haven't been <laughs> privy to that yet. But, um, but yeah, I believe that is. Uh, hopefully, we're going to release that um, maybe first or second quarter of next year. So spring, summer, hopefully. Okay. Well, another one I'll look for next year for sure to have on the show. Uh, definitely. So. For you, what's different about editing a TV series versus a film? But your is your process different uh, on on those? Because you know, obviously, the TV series is something that's done more quickly than a film. So, what's your process like when you're editing? Um, the actual process isn't that different. Um, I still approach it the same way. You know, make sure that I understand the tone, the subtext, and choose performances that always serve as the story uh, the best. And um, but but I think yeah, a, a big difference is that on TV series there are other editors, and so it's nice to be able to pop into someone else's cutting room and say, hey, can I show you this? Like, let me know if this is landing right. You know, and you can kind of bounce ideas off of one another with a feature. It's just me. <laughs> So I have to really, you know, be able to teach myself to sit back and look at it and ask myself the hard questions like, is this really funny or is it just funny to me because of X, Y, Z that no one knows about, you know? So, um, so yeah, so I have to, you know, often remind myself of that. And, and also, again, the same thing, too. Like, with a feature, you're on it for a very long time. And so are the jokes still funny six months later, mm-hmm. you know, because you've seen it and heard it so many times. series you have another episode to go to and so by the time you go back to the other episode it's still funny (laughs) so yeah it's it's i would say that those are the biggest differences and so then 
if you were, I mean, you had a circuitous route, sort of, into editing. You you did a few things before you became an editor. Um, if you were to give advice to someone who wants to become an editor, what kind of advice would you give them? Mm, um, well, if they're coming out of college, I would say look into the um, American Cinema Editors Internship Program. Um, they do it once a year, and it's phenomenal. They introduce you to all the top editors, put you in their cutting room. So you come out of it with a very well-rounded knowledge and also a really nice uh, network of people that you can, um, you know, kind of lean on and who will help you with your career. Um, but I'd say if you're, if you're an assistant, who's trying to make that jump, I said, cut as much as possible, cut everything you can, you know, it doesn't matter if they're paying you $5 or $5,000, just cut it, get the experience, get the samples. So you have something to show people. And, you know, most importantly, tell your editor that you want to cut so they can hopefully help you, you know, make that jump into the seat. I know when we talked last time, you said one of the reasons you didn't want to become an editor is because you thought you're just going to sit in a dark room all day alone. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, how did that change for you? And how do you feel about that now? Because you've been doing it quite a long time now. Yes, yes. Yeah, that was my very rudimentary um, interpretation of what an editor was before <laughs> I really even knew what an editor did. Um, so yeah, uh, it's not uh, as I mean, it's yeah, we have moments where it's very solitary. It's just you with the dailies and, and you know, you're putting it together. But then there's great process um, where your you know, directors come in. And you get to discover things together and you collaborate um, and then they leave and then producers come in, um, you know, and so you work on that together and then it gets to the studio. So so it's it's a lot more collaborative, I've learned, than what my initial um, idea of editing was. And, um, and I find that that's like really my favorite process or part of it um, is collaborating with people and, and kind of finding the new gems that you may have missed the first time around. So, so yeah, I, I've learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I, you did mention, you talked about um, doing um, generations during the pan- pandemic. So how did, how was working during the pandemic for you editing um, the various projects that you were working on? What was different for you during the pandemic? Oh, you know, it um, it was very interesting. I had never, um, you know, I would do like little side projects from home, but it was never like full time, like, you know, you're on deadline and this is a whole series. And um, we have to pivot very quickly, basically turn the second bedroom into an edit bay. Um, we had to upgrade our Internet um, because I realized the first time I started working um, with the producer, whatever level of internet we were at, it sucked it all up. And so oh. my husband had to also work from home. So all of a sudden I hear this, what the? <laughs> <laughs> like, what happened to the internet? I'm, sorry, I, I'm using all of it. <laughs> so yeah, so we had to upgrade. There's, you know, technical changes we had to make, but, but a lot of it was, um, I mean, I love the five-step commute from my bedroom to <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. So learning how to turn it off too, so that at night when I think of something, I don't just run into the other room and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like making sure that I 
found a balance so that I wasn't just at work 24-7. Right. Great, great advice for everyone to have balance. Well, Nina, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. I look forward to having you back on the show. I wish you much success with the Emmys this year. As I said, I will hold you in my thoughts and prayers. And uh, everyone, you can see some of Nina's work, as we talked about, in on Insecure. Uh, season 5, Episode 8, also gener- Apple TV's Generations, so and movies coming out in the near future, so uh, in 2023. So Nina, thank you again for being on the show. To all my wonderful, loyal listeners, your love of film allows me to do what I do. If you want to support me, the best way to do that is to hit the subscribe button on the iHeart Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And of course, on YouTube, subscribing matters. If you are feeling really compelled, I want to hear from you. Have a burning question, comment, or review? Drop me an email at thejampriceshow.com. Thank you for listening. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies.